0: And welcome to Festival of the Mind. In this episode, postdoctoral research associate Rory Bezik-Parsons talks to visual artist Gina Allen about their collaboration on the Many Happy Returns project, specifically looking at existing issues with plastic packaging.
1: So yeah, my name's uh, Rory Besick parsons I'm a postdoctoral research associate on the project Many Happy Returns. This is a project that was or is funded by the UK Research Innovations Smart Sustainable Plastics Packaging Challenge and as part of this challenge uh, the aim is to find solutions to existing issues with plastic packaging, reduce plastic pollution and unlock barriers to create fundamental changes in the industry. As a whole the project consists of 18 researchers, senior academics, support staff all across the University of Sheffield And as part of our project in particular, our focus is on understanding how to make reusable plastic packaging mainstream. We're currently coming towards the end of the two-year project. And this follows on from a previous project we focused on uh, plastics redefining single use. So I'm here today with Gina Allen, a visual artist who collaborated with us on this project. And one thing that we wanted to do with the exhibition piece was to explore ways of communicating this research project beyond academic boundaries and also in an alternative form. So we all know that the topic of plastic encapsulates everyone and we engage with it on a daily basis and everyone has something to say about it. So we felt this exhibition piece would be something that anyone and everyone could engage with. So one of the unique aspects of Many Happy Returns is that it's a multidisciplinary project um, and it's a very large project. So we have five research teams working across several departments, um, including English, geography, psychology, but also uh, physical sciences, sort of mechanical engineering and chemical and biological engineering. And so what that creates is a, is a wealth of, of information and insights into plastic packaging and the potential of reusable packaging. So with all this data comes the difficulty in communicating it in a coherent manner. Um, So that was one of the reasons of going to the Ideas Bazaar was how, how do we as a research team come together and communicate a concise message? And so I think it was November or October time, we sort of went to the Ideas Bazaar and we met a number of people and that's sort of where we were introduced to Gina um and her work
0: i'm gina ellen i'm a a freelance visual artist and as rory said we met at the ideas bazaar and had a chat with the with rory and his team and from the perspective of somebody who has an interest in environmental issues and communicating those through visual art but also as somebody who's not really had cause to think about plastic use beyond my sort of awareness of actually single-use plastics and Disposable plastics are not a good thing for the environment and getting into oceans and things. And we all have the blue planet kind of mentality, I think. But I hadn't really spent a lot of time thinking about my own use of plastic or even noticing it particularly. It became a really interesting project. So we met several times and Rory and the team shared quite a lot of their research materials or at least uh, themes. And we had to work together to, to understand how to package that up into a way that we can communicate um, visually what it's all about.
1: So sort of Gina mentions, we had had those meetings and reflecting on it, I feel quite guilty now for sort of dumping a lot of uh, data as it were at the time on her to sort of discuss through, so to give sort of the listener a bit of insight into this, the researchers or The work package from the School of English collected more than five million words of linguistic data from manufacturers, retailers, and citizens. My own research topic focuses on household engagement and understanding people's everyday life and sort of observations, conversational talks with them, daily diary activities. And then we also have um, the psychology work package that quite innovatively blends images of containers from clean to dirty and understanding what is someone's willingness to use that container at what point are they no longer willing to use a container because of it being too dirty and they sort of have sort of control factors of saying, well, this is the one that you use yourself or you share it with a community of people such as a cafe. But then there's also sort of the mechanical engineering part where they were scratching these containers and Bolognese sauce and sort of um, contaminating it to, to look at it visually and sort of work with psychology. And then we also have sort of a life cycle analysis perspective where it was very sort of quantitative and data driven and understanding at what point is reuse more beneficial than single use. So these sessions were sort of unpacking all of these work packages and sort of as Gina sort of mentioned, trying to find that consistent thread was sort of a very reflective process and iterative process. And I think something that we identified was there's sort of an ambivalence to plastic packaging in that we understand that there's a global plastic waste problem and a single-use plastic waste problem, but we also benefit from the services that it provides. And through my work, we were able to show how society has evolved with plastics, and how plastics has enhanced our way of life and our way of doing things and and living, particularly in the food packaging industry. And I think that was something that we sort of used as the starting point to show this contention between good and bad, sort of enabling factor.
0: In trying to think about how to bring a sort of theme to the visual side of the exhibition, it struck me that there were parallels between the themes that we'd been talking about and going back to the sort of golden age of Dutch still life. And I'm not an art historian, so my, you know, my understanding of of what that art was all about is is limited but i saw parallels between a period where consumption is available you know to a lot of people and that is the case with plastics now they are very very available they have all sorts of associations with convenience and that echoed the the themes of the still life which was a period of of huge Boom and a period where lots of people were suddenly able to afford and consume more things. And Dutch still life pictures, there's a lot of flowers, there's a lot of glasses of wine. But the theme is very much about things that suddenly people are able to afford, they're able to demonstrate their wealth. But also there's this undercurrent often in uh, traditional still life images of the, the vanitas elements, so there's often elements that remind the viewer or the person who commissioned the painting perhaps, that, you know, this is all passing, you can't take it with you in the end. It's a very temporary kind of celebration of something, I suppose. I wanted to bring that into into the exhibition, that um, understanding that there is a level of consumption of plastics, but we have to understand that kind of, we have to think about where it's going and what the outcomes are going to be. So taking the, the Dutch still life format, the traditional still life format and using it throughout the exhibition was the, the way that we kind of brought the material into a visual format. With that decided, we had to condense down some areas that we really wanted to, to focus on in the exhibition. And I think uh, we came to focus on four elements which came to be maybe slightly restrictive because we realised that there was a lot of overlap between those categories. Um, and we currently have six pieces that we need to uh, need to decide whether they'll all go into the final exhibition. But I think that was one thing that really came out that there was overlap between these, these areas.
1: From the discussions that we had over those number of meetings that we sort of came to identify sort of four themes that we wanted to explore in the exhibition, and I think the first one was perceptions of plastics. to consider how people see plastics and that starting point of generally plastics are bad.
0: It was an interesting opportunity to reflect on my own use of plastic. When I started looking in the bin every afternoon to see what was in there, what what is it that I'm throwing away? What is my plastic waste? And discovered that there is a lot of... A lot of plastic bags, a lot of thin, I'm sure Rory knows the technical terms, but plastics where there are multiple layers, so there's a sort of, you know, thinking of crisp packets where there's foil and there's plastic and things that are not easy to reuse or recycle. That must be a process that happens in lots of households and like in mine, normally we don't actually notice that until somebody says to you, you know, talks about plastic waste and the dangers of plastics getting into oceans and things like that, and it is the plastic bags, the single-use thin plastics that seem to come to mind. So that was my starting point for the first piece in perceptions of plastics. But it also occurred to me that actually these are kind of almost dirty secrets in a way. It's not something that that other people can see and you actually have to look to see your own plastic waste. You have to go looking for it. So the idea of it being a a secret and something that you add to daily sort of made me think of a journal where you are making sort of daily records but also that it's a very private very personal thing so I took that idea quite literally um, and we've I've created a a physical artifact I suppose it's not a sculpture as more of an artifact where I've managed to get hold of a vintage journal unfortunately somebody had taken the well, unfortunately it would have been quite interesting but taken the the writing out so I've just got the the hard cover I collected for quite a few weeks um all the plastic that I didn't think I could recycle washed it flattened it out and and sewed the the pages together or leaves together into pages of a journal and inserted them into that into that hard cover so it is a lockable thing um, and we're going to display it in a way that doesn't actually show the inside, it doesn't, you know, the viewer won't be able to see the individual leaves of plastic, they won't be able to see exactly where my plastic waste is coming from and what it is, other than it will be obvious that it's there. And I was hoping that that kind of echoes the idea that we are all producing this, but it is something quite secret, almost, and that we all have to individually look at
1: yeah and i think there was there was a a a discussion that we had within the research group of this going in a in a cabinet that you can't touch as well to give it some cultural artifact value in a in an exhibition space so we're sort of starting this process of understanding and exploring the value of plastics and from that a lot of the the group wanted the previous Um, I think you sort of did a, a pre this is what it could look like and we were discussing can we have that on show that people can look through and I sort of put my neck out and said no that that is doing what we want it to do by placing it in a in a case in a museum space you're starting to to ascribe value to plastic and I think that nicely moves on to sort of the second theme then, exploring um, plastics in everyday life, beginning to understand how plastics enables our everyday life, but how plastics and society have co-evolved with one another. And this sort of then starts to pick up on um, this idea of services that plastics provide. So Gina sort of has created another media piece here.
0: I took the still life, the traditional still life format quite literally in this one. So it's a, it's a photograph, but set up like a a traditional still life. So we have the the vase of flowers and then other kind of elements from, from daily life, I suppose. But it's bringing in elements that we talked about with the, with the team, um, things that came up through research. For example, uh, we talked a lot about convenience. Um, of plastic packaging, of food plastic packaging, and things that have been made redundant by that, and things that it has enabled. So, for example, it's a meat mincer in the background. And obviously, that's something that not many kitchens have nowadays. Um, so, it's pushed right to the back of the image. And in front of there is a, a burger in a, a plastic container. And I've tried to hint at, at things that that shift enables um, in terms of freeing up time, both leisure and work time, I suppose. I've tried to lift elements from the data that Rory and the team have collected to talk about how, how plastics have changed our behaviors and the things that they have enabled as well as the waste that is associated with those things.
1: And it ties nicely with looking sort of more historically how things have come to be. So we look at the food industry from the 1950s through to present day and how plastics have been involved along with other technological advancements. So we think of sort of refrigeration units, the cold chain technique that keeps sort of um, things Uh, not only fresh, but hygienically safe, and plastic packaging keeps products clean. So it's all these aspects that plastics have had a part to play in, but also enhanced. And so sort of, yeah, the Mincer is sort of a a great idea of harking back to the days when you had a greengrocer and a butcher's and so on, and now we have supermarkets. From that piece, we start to move forward to a third theme, wanting to understand the values of plastic and these services that it provides and enables. So how can we think of new relationships or new configurations of our lives that still have plastics involved, but yet in a more sustainable sort of ecologically, socially, economically sort of sustainable way. And this sort of leads on to to the third piece that you created, Gina.
0: Do you want to talk about the the vital project?
1: Yeah, so so as, as part of the Many Happy Returns project, we also have um, proof of concepts. So we wanted to do a real deep dive into particular sectors. Um, so we, we've chosen the dairy industry but also mm-hmm. takeaway packaging because a lot of takeaway packaging is inherently single use. You know, it's, it's convenient, it's quick, it's sort of used, you engage with plastic or the packaging very briefly, and then you dispose of it. So at the university, we've used the campus as a living laboratory. We've introduced reusable coffee cups and reusable takeaway bowls, which people can have their lunch or breakfast or, or dinner in, and they sort of return back at campus. As part of researching whether students and people who work at the university want to engage with reusable containers and cups. We also used it as an opportunity to understand how these reusable pieces of packaging age over time and over its use. In Paul's mechanical engineering sort of work package, he had the fun job of scratching and contaminating bowls with sort of baked beans and tomatoes to sort of see over time, the, the discoloration of the bowl with that sort of engaged with the psychology department of understanding, OK, at what point is someone unwilling to use that piece of well, that, that container, that vital bowl? At what point is the baked bean staying too dark and looks too dirty? And I, I don't quite trust that. I don't want to use that. Although it might be hygienically clean and it's been sterilised in a sort of a an industrial washer, the visual look of that bowl is not appealing and it sort of gets rejected. And I think that was something that sort of really piqued your interest with reuse and sort of visually reuse that we can sort of engage with the public on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was particularly a comment um, when we were talking about it and I think you said it was Harriet that said there are lots of places and occasions where we're happy to reuse things particularly when we're thinking about food in a restaurant setting where we don't think twice about reusing a plate or cutlery or glass that somebody else has used before us and we trust that it's been properly washed. So I took that that idea of the restaurant and place setting and this has formed the background for a circular kind of space where the photo of the the reuse bowl is front and center in the foreground, but then there are other bowls in a sort of circular format of various, I suppose, levels of transparency, is that the word, is that the way to describe it? Trying to suggest the idea that this bowl has been reused, but in some contexts, we're absolutely happy with that. So why not in the context of Reusable takeaway plastic items as well.
1: Keeping on the theme of circularity, we sort of get to the fourth piece and the fourth theme where we want to then revisit our perceptions of plastic. We've hopefully taken you through a journey of, of understanding the nuances and our nuances of our relationships and sort of different types of plastic and our engagement with it. And we sort of want to revisit that first piece and invite the viewer to reflect on the exhibition as a whole and these possibilities of of new relationships with with plastic. That's something you've you've drawn out in the piece.
0: Yeah. So for me, it was about trying to think differently about plastics that, you know, they clearly have become very much part of our daily lives. And there are are areas in which we need to address our plastic use and particularly what we do with it after it's been used. But also that we have to accept that there are a a lot of things that we would have to change very dramatically if we were to eliminate plastic from our daily lives. You know, a lot of what we talked about with the initial meetings was that actually that might not be desirable. These plastics might be very beneficial In lots of ways and it's about how we use them most appropriately. So the final piece for me was going back to the still life format. Um, It's a photograph. Looking at how plastics can be used appropriately, how they are beneficial, but acknowledging that there are problems with plastics, they will continue to come into our lives, but that we can think about them more carefully and how we use them more carefully, um, weighing up the positive aspects with the with the problems of of disposing plastics that we can no longer use.
1: And I think when I look at this piece, it's the household engagement work that I've been conducting. It sort of tells a story there of of, of the crisp packets or, or the yogurt, particularly you know, sort of a a larger container of yogurt being decanted into more durable sort of specific Tupperware pots that are then maybe taken to work. And there's these stories in the household engagement work where people maximise the volume of the product to minimise the consumption of, of the plastic. And I think that's sort of a really interesting relationship to explore in that there are cases where we cannot, you know, it's very difficult to avoid plastic packaging. People want to be... Plastic-free, for example, but through the work, there comes moments like yoga, as an example, where it is, I would suggest, impossible. But the ingenuity of citizens and households to try and think through, negotiate that consumption of, of plastic packaging, those everyday behaviors that people are doing and how do we then inform system? systems change? How, how does that then inform going forward households to, to retailers, to manufacturing? The whole system, the whole supply chain that can make it more environmentally beneficial. Within the project, we have our industrial partners and we have retailers and sort of commercial actors engaging with the project because they want to learn. But a lot of the time, there is this idea of the consumer needs to be willing and trying to understand the consumer. So an interesting insight that one member once said was, we know what happens to plastic or packaging inside the shop. As Soon as it exits our premises, as soon as it goes outside the door of the supermarket, we have no idea what happens to that plastic, how it's interacted with, how it's used, how it's disposed, how it's reused, how it's recirculated in the home. And I think that's what our work in the household was trying to to engage with. And we wanna then use that to influence, to inform policy, but also how retailers manufacturing the supply chain develops products rather than them trying to inform how packaging and consumers or citizens should use something, maybe we should start at the point of the citizen and this ingenuity and this innovation that people are doing in the home, trying to maximise the use of plastic, because I think they understand the value of it. You know, through the conversations, there is that guilt at first, and the anxiety of purchasing plastic. But then there's also this acceptance that it Is inherently very good at different things and through their actions we've understood that and so it's then yeah how how do we now inform how do we change that whole the word i use sort of socio-technical system the sort of the the supply chain the retailers the manufacturers the techno technological artifact of plastic packaging container but then also the social the the engagement with it, the, the values we ascribe to it, like Gina sort of mentioned the convenience of plastic that, you know, we have relationships with it. So to wrap things up, Gina, is there sort of any key takeaways from working with the Many Happy Returns project team?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot, but I suppose the thing that I have appreciated is actually noticing my own plastic use where the waste is coming from but also looking a little bit more closely at it and I didn't mention it when we talked about the first piece the the journal but actually through that um, through looking at those pieces of packaging more closely I discovered that some of them are actually recyclable and I didn't know that and then I looked more closely about how you recycle them and it's take them to a you know a big supermarket or some places have to go to a particular collection point, but I didn't know that before. And I have to say, it hasn't yet changed my behaviour and I do, and now know that I need to start collecting those things and I can take them back with me. There is room, I think, particularly, you know, in my life, but possibly in other people's as well, to actually think just a little bit more about how we're generating plastic waste, but also how we're using plastics more generally. And if we can change our behaviour to use it slightly less wastefully and slightly more appropriately. And what about you, Rory, from a, I suppose, personal point of view, has working on the project changed your perceptions
1: of plastic? Yeah, it's not a quick fix. That's one thing I've learned through the project. I think it's, it's important to understand. It's not simply removing a piece of the jigsaw and expecting it to all be working perfectly fine and working interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary. It's understanding how unintended consequences can come about. I think that's really interesting that one answer within one work package can create a lot of questions, a lot of potential issues in another. But also working on the exhibition with you, bringing all of that work together sort of into one coherent storyline, as it were, a lot of the time we do it through text, we do it through words, we write papers, or you write reports, you've got to feedback your impact and so on. But actually creating an exhibition piece like this, the old saying of, you know, a picture paints a 1000 words, but it, it has sort of, when you created those pieces, and the project team had a meeting, and it was for an hour, and we were there for two hours sort of unpacking and we were finding new nuances within the images. I think that was sort of really insightful. It sort of encapsulates all our work, but it also sort of acts as a provocation. It sort of starts the discussion.
0: Yeah, I hope it's intimate enough as well to for people to feel like it's something that's sort of it within their control, because a lot at the time when you hear about plastic and plastic waste, it's something that's kind of, yeah, it's a big problem. It's nothing I can do anything about. I hope that these are on a kind of scale where people think, actually, this is something that is coming into my life and I can change things about what I buy, what I use, how I use it.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe. We'd love to hear your thoughts and responses on social media. Find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.